0: This episode is brought to you by Made by Music, the new podcast from Cambridge Audio.
1: Welcome back everybody to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. And joining me this time out is my neighbor in Portugal. And he plays synth, bass, and guitar, but apparently not all at the same time. for Nine Inch Nails. He is an electronic musician in his own right with a fairly expansive career now. So yeah, we welcome back Alessandro Cortini. Hello, John. It's good to How be back. How you doing, back. man? I'm doing great. Um, there's a little bit of
0: a break from the hot weather.
1: It's been burning up in uh, in Lisbon, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, the last 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 week has been brutal. But you know,
1: you make it work i'm so glad i'm not there at the moment it's been like today right now it's like 16 degrees celsius
0: yeah
1: and you had what, was it 40 yesterday 40 the day before it's <laughs> just terrific it like
0: 40 but um you know the phones said uh 32 33 but you know it's it's always not very precise where it is well right now it says 21 so right. i had 24 today so we'll see but i've been in the studio so to me it's always a
1: cool 22 okay it's always air, air conditioned you have yeah. ac in your ac studio yeah um, well, today we're going to talk about headfire because I think what a lot of people might not know about you is that you are a, I, I think I would say that you're a much bigger head enthusiast than me. I mean, I'm into it, but I'm not like as deep into it as you've got right in the last what three or four years. And I know we've yeah. discussed, we just sort of discussed it in a previous podcast, but we're sort of picking up on that conversation. And I want to start with, a, a, a yeah, a message that I sent you last week and I wrote the good news the new Sony True Wireless IEMS are much improved in sound quality, especially mids and highs and on phone calls. The bad news, you're going to have to buy a pair. <laughs> and you wrote back, "Lol, I think I'm done with true wireless." Yeah. So, is that really the case, Alessandro? You're really done with like Bluetooth true wireless IEMS? Um,
0: yeah, well, I'm always happy to try, but let's say that the last two or three Attempts uh, resulted in me defaulting back to the Apple AirPod Pros, and um, Mm -hmm. I'll explain why. Um, The main reason is the ecosystem, Mm. the fact that I think they are tailored to iPhone users, uh, I would assume exclusively, because I don't think that level of interaction applies to to Android, Uh, a level of integration, sorry. so that would be my main reasoning in the sense that are very, they're flawless and, and very transparent when it comes to the integration with the iPhone and how they behave when you switch devices and how, you know, the ambient mode works and all that. I mean, it, it really is um, very transparent and very, it's effortless in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, second is the uh, use case for me which is usually going for walks or walking around the house, doing stuff or in the garden or, you know, walking the dog, you know, like uh, moving, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even in that case, I think the AirPod pros are the most comfortable. Uh, I hear the outside world much better. Um, and my attention to the music, if I'm listening to music it is, you know, is, uh, re- it's a fraction of what it would be if I'd be listening to music at home sitting down. So there's Mm -hmm. a percentage of attention or percentage of my brain that is dedicated to another activity. So I'm not Mm -hmm. 100% listener, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When it comes to uh, other devices, and I've tried quite a few, you know, obviously I have the Orbit uh, by Campfire, and then I have the the previous version of the Sonys. um, So the XM4. XM4s, and then... I've tried uh, the Noble Audio, uh, the Mystique Focus, the Focus Mystique, um, and the iFi uh, GoPods, mm-hmm. um, which arguably were, in theory, the best uh, of both worlds in the sense that you know they're Bluetooth Bluetooth receivers that I'm able to connect my own IMS to. So, yep. you know, in theory, you would get the same quality that you get from a wired connection or close, you know, but there are Mm. two things, two main things to keep in mind when that happens is one with iPhone, I'm limited to AAC um, when it comes to the, you know, to the protocol Mm -hmm. of of the communication. And uh, AAC simply doesn't sound as good as a wired connection, in my opinion. Mm. So if we're talking, listening to music as the main reason why I'm buying these devices, it doesn't make it that much of a difference if I'm using, you know, uh, AirPod Pros. I'm obviously there's a frequency. Dif- there are differences, but not enough for me to justify it. AAC right. is just, a, it's not good enough, in my opinion. Uh, well, it's it's good enough to listen on the go. It's not good enough for audiophile, uh, like for this to be compared to the to a wired connection. It just doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. AAC would be my my main gripe. Second is amplification, um, so power. You know uh, the fact that uh, a lot of these IMs that I enjoy listening to when I'm, you know, sitting down or you know on a plane. Plane, there's also the pressure to keep in mind when it comes to your perception of of sound. But uh, let's say when I'm relaxed and I'm ready to listen at night, mm-hmm. um, amplification has a big part on how these IMs present music. You know, uh, when it comes to the transient, to the to the to the portrayal of the base, of the high frequencies, they, they tend to scale, most of them, in a, you know, Campfire is a good example, you know, something like the Trifecta or the new Solaris scales, they scale quite differently according to how much power you give. Do they sound good or bad? No, it's just, I prefer them when there's more power, you know? right. So having said that, when it comes to the end, when I was using TWSs, I realized that I was fiddling more with the discrepancies of not being designed by Apple. Because I'm, I'm so linked to that, you know, to that universe. When it comes to day to day, you know, my mother, I see her through an iPhone, my wife, you know, it's, you know, grandparents, it's, it's all connected. It's, it's, you know, I I don't see myself changing operating system because of uh, portable audio. You know what I mean? In that case, Um, so I found myself picking convenience to to sound quality, you know, in Mm. in a way, and. after, you know, three attempts, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to keep my AirPod Pros in my pocket uh, when I need to go for walks mm-hmm. and, you know, battery lasts forever, very easy to never fall out, all that. Uh, I can mostly do my phone calls and listen to music when I want to, you know, while I check from the check-in to the plane and then switch to my DAP, to my digital audio player and my good set of in-ears wired when I sit down mm-hmm. if I'm traveling or, you know, at home, I would I would never use wired. Uh, wi- sorry, wireless. If I'm sitting down, I'm just. Why would I do that? You know, it's right. like eating. You know, it's like you could have anything for delivery, and then you order McDonald's. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean I, I, that's an extreme. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be. You know, um, divisive. But what I'm saying is, well, I just have very good playback. You know, a very good playback situation. Why would I go wireless if I'm on the couch?
1: We'll get to that in a moment, but you're talking about AirPods Pro version 2, right? Yes, version 2. Version 2, to me, they're
0: they're, they're great. I mean, I really enjoy the they way are. They
1: are. Yeah. I mean, for me, they're the first Apple true wireless IEM that I would describe as not terrible. Because the previous iterations I had, they were great for phone calls, but terrible for music. Whereas the version 2 is like, oh, this is much better for music. Yeah. And like you, I can live with it for music going out and about. And I pick them up when I want to make a phone call. But it's interesting you talk about integration because I bought an iPhone specifically to use with the AirPod Pro version 2, as well as because I need one for my job as well to testing different remote apps. But so obviously, I only ever use my AirPod Pro version 2s with my iPhone 13 mini. And the integration is flawless, but I never use my AirPod Pros. With the Google Pixel 7 Pro that I have, yeah. never. No, and whereas with point. those, I tend to go with the Sennheiser Momentum True Wireless 3 or True Wireless Momentum 3, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And the, the interesting thing is, is that I'll pick the, the Sennheiser every time over the Apple when it comes to going about and listening to music, even over the XM4 Sony. But the reason I'd message you is because that now changes with the XM5 Sony for me in that music-wise... I would say they're almost on par with the Sennheiser. They're definitely better than the Apple. But what was really surprising is how good they are for phone calls. So I would pick them up for phone calls as often as I do the AirPods Pro version 2, which used to be the king of phone calls as far as I was concerned. Right. So it seems like the true wireless landscape is always shifting, oh, shifting pretty quickly, yeah. you know, with these big players in it Apple, Sony, Bose, Sennheiser. I'm sure there are others I could mention, but there's a limit to how many I can, because I have to buy all these myself. Because of course, I, I, mean, I don't you're... know anybody at Sony to send me a pair, you know. So yeah, um, no, I agree. I mean, there's you know, I think, like in my experience, I mean,
0: I, I really enjoyed sides of all of them sonically. They're all mm-hmm. great. I mean, out of all of them, the one that gets closer in my mm-hmm. setup with you know with the AAC was probably the Noble Audio. Mm-hmm. simply because I think it's one of the few that has I think it's a couple of balanced armature so it's not just one speaker you know what I mean there's a right. dynamic driver uh, for the lows and then I think there's two balanced armature drivers so it's a it's a closer design to a uh, you know to a to a normal in-ear monitor you know where mm. frequencies are treated with their own specific you know device according to the frequency range which I think makes for a for for a wider um, clearer, you know, representation of frequencies. I mean, obviously, there's one dynamic driver, headphones or IEMs that sound great. Yes. But you know, uh, they usually, in my experience, don't sound the same at different volumes, same at different power. Just simply because you're having one single device replicating all frequencies, it can be great, but it won't, in my opinion, won't be perfect. You know what I mean?
1: I think you've also previously touched on why true wireless. IMs don't sound as good, and it's not to do with it because you're right. Generally, they're a single dynamic driver, but also more often than not, they're powered by a single chip, and that single chip is a system on a chip that does the Bluetooth reception, the DA, yeah. DA conversion, and the amplification. Right? Exactly. So it's you know it's small. So the power output of that amp, even though it's very close to the driver and can be tuned to the driver, it's going to be pretty weak. Yeah. Just by nature of its size and having to deal with heat dissipation and all those other internal issues. And I think one reason why I really love the GoPod from iFi, even though I hate the fact that it dangles behind my ear and I feel a bit self-conscious wearing it, is because I think it separates out all of those jobs into different chips. So it has a Bluetooth reception yeah. chip, a separate DAC chip, and a separate AMP chip. And for me, using that with the Google phone, so using, is it aptX or... LDAC, I can never remember like with those. But it sounds utterly fantastic with the Campfire Andromeda Emerald C. I used it on a plane my last trip to Portugal. Yeah, I remember I used... that's how
0: I tried. I mean, I tried them when you brought them here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I ended up ordering, but then returning. <laughs> right. Wah, wah. <laughs> well, you know, it's not, I guess. Well, it's, you know, I'm a very specific use case. I think they were great, but mm. for me, um, with an iPhone, mm. it just almost almost made me more bummed out about using, you know, top of the line if you want, you know, uh IMs like say Trifecta or the Solaris or, you know, or others. I mean I had the
1: Ronin and by but, mm. uh, um I mean I would say that having used the the no. GoPod on the plane, it it for me is the almost the equal of using a dedicated portable player like the the smaller Shanling Is it the M6 Ultra, the M3 Ultra? I have so many model names bouncing around my head, Alessandro. I never know. Um, I'm going to have to look this up because it's.
0: Yeah. And again, it's very subjective. I think, you know, there might be aspects of sound reproduction that you feel like they're equal. And I might be concentrating on things that I just don't feel like, you know, the push or the, the transients or things that I get attached to that they're simply not there. And let's not forget my bottleneck for me. The bottleneck for me is AAC. Because I haven't. Yes, yes, I can yes. tell you. I tested them once with an older model, the Sony W1MA Walkman, mm-hmm. which does LDAC. Right. I've tried the GoPods with that, and it was noticeably better. But you know, I already run that wired. I would. There's no case scenario where I run that Walkman wireless, because the whole point is not to bring the Walkman if I have, you know, a TWS.
1: But didn't you have yours modded out of the wazoo? Yeah,
0: Steve at uh, NP Audio in the UK um, mm. modded mine, and uh, he changed all the caps, and upgraded, and put on a battery that lasts. I'm not kidding; like forty eight hours. It's, wow! It's crazy, and you know, and, and the the Sony having a digital amp, you know, it just lasts forever. It lasts forever. I basically leave it in my backpack with a one terabyte card, and that yeah. one is always with me. I forget. I don't even consider it the weight. It's just there. So right. if something goes wrong with my other player or if I want to listen to something that I, I know it's on there I'll just get that one out balanced and balanced it's just a uh, you know I don't think I'll ever sell it it sounds amazing sounds you know bigger than than stock and, and Steve does a uh, does incredible modding mod, mods to players mostly right. sony but it does uh, other players as well and it's super cool guy too
1: actually that reminds me because i know we've discussed this in the past privately i i know i give you shit for buying these portable players that don't do streaming services yeah and you're like i don't <laughs> care i've just got a micro sd card or whatever yeah so could you tell us about that <laughs> yeah well i mean i do
0: i you know i have Cobus and title and, and i use rune extensively both as rune arc and uh rune at home on my, mm-hmm. my my house my studio rune is everywhere it's you know indispensable mm-hmm. i really enjoy how it makes it easier to discover new music. It's to me, it's like the modern record store, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. because of the connection, the, you know, the narrative behind every record, the, the, the care that is put in the interface is just, you know, not to go on a, you know, on, on a love letter to Rune, but to me, especially in a world where music is getting depreciated daily, mm-hmm. to have someone that's put the effort into bringing it back um, and making the experience as close as possible to what we grew up with, with record mm. shopping is great. Um, when it comes to digital players, I, I like companies that dedicate the des- the, you know the time of the design exclusively to the sound quality. Mm-hmm. So that it's not about the features. It's about how good can we make a portable device sound. And I realized that to me, a lot of the times, the Android or, you know, all the features got in the way of that, you know, Mm -hmm. simply it was just stuff that I didn't need. I didn't need to learn another operating system in order, you know, not learn, you know, because it's all touch, it's easy, Mm -hmm. but I'm also getting older. So I don't, I just simply don't want to, I have my library of, of, uh, of music that I want to listen to. It's on those cards and uh, how it works for me is that all my, my digital audio players have a USB DAC function. So Mm -hmm. The way that I have it is when I want to discover new music, I connect either my iPhone or, if I'm home, my iPad mm. uh, USB C to USB C of the of the digital audio player
1: mm.
0: or Lightning to USB C, and uh, basically I use Roon that way. I basically use the iPhone or iPad as a transport, and then I oh, use I the I use the uh, the the conversion on the DAP itself.
1: But how do you um, up, update the library of, of uh, co- the uh, content on the, on the SD card? Like Most of the stuff that I like and I want to buy, it's on Bandcamp for the most okay. part. Okay. Yeah.
0: Because um, for some reason, Cobas here in Portugal doesn't allow you to buy files anymore. Like, okay. I, I'm, I'm not able to buy. On Cobas store anymore. Mm. I don't know if it's a Portuguese thing, so I, can, I can't. You know, I can only use it as a streaming service. It's probably just a you
1: thing, Alessandro. They've just just honed <laughs> it on you and go no yeah, more downloads for so this guy. stuff
0: there, and also not only that, I have. I mean, what's up, Kobus, I can't even buy my own. My, I can't even download my old stuff, my old my old purchases anymore. Like so, they're not anywhere, which oh. is crazy. Yeah, so I lost you know hundreds of euros of music that I can't access anymore unless I save
1: them somewhere. Okay, uh, but so, um, sorry, what was the question? Well, no, I mean, don't you find it a real faff to take the SD card out of the portable player? Oh, I don't have to take it out. Okay, so how do you update it? Connect
0: the USB to the computer,
1: and then you just drag the files across, yes, and they they get they get dropped onto the SD card inside on inside the player. Correct,
0: um,
1: and then I have my folders, my
0: orders. Some of them are. You know, alphabetical order. Some others are folders where there's like soundtracks, for example, I have their mm. own folder or classical composers. And you know, I have my own hierarchy and and my old folder, you know, subdivision. And mm-hmm. uh, when you buy from Bandcamp, it's very easy. You choose, you know, you choose the format you want to download. Yes. The folder is named with the artist. You drop the artist folder, you know, the, the album folder in your in your card that shows up on your desktop. So at night. I do my, you know, my listening and I discover new things. If people follow me on Instagram, they'll see that at night, I'll have stories where I post the things that I've been listening to that I like. That's like in real time, you know, I get mm-hmm. excited about something and I post it. And and then the day after, when I get into the studio or the next chance I have that I have some free time, I just uh, go to my account on Bandcamp. The night before, I bought them as I was listening. And then I download the files and drop them into my digital audio player.
1: Can we call them DAPs? We can call them DAP, like yeah. DAP, DAP is DAP. fine. A portable player, I don't know, whatever. But no. you know, this is where you and I sort of diverge because I would never now use a, a portable player, a DAP that does not have the Google Play Store that gives me access to streaming content and therefore offline content. Although the Astell and Kern is kind of like a halfway, th- halfway house now. The SP three thousand, which is still mm-hmm. sitting in its box, sealed upstairs. I haven't opened it yet for my shame. Um, but that has a whitelist of apps, of which Rune Arc is one, so I can. Download RuneArc, and then treat my hard drive attached to my Rune server here as my private streaming service, which for me is my ideal situation. Right, um, but I, I, I do, understand. but I do like but having. But what access if you're to, out? If you're out, you still
0: have to find a Wi-Fi connection for the DAP. So I generally like, off.
1: I generally offline the content before I go out. So well, yeah, well, but then why? Well, then 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 it's a moot okay, point. Okay, so let, okay, because I know this is this is what you you sound like some of my my audience members. So basically, well, but think about it. No, no, I'm thinking about it. So basically when I'm offline in content, right, I go album, download, browse another album, download, and it all buffers up. Yeah. But if I'm having to drag and drop different folders on an OS, like a Mac OS or even a Windows, mm-hmm. I find that very often if I try and do more than say 20 albums at once, it'll crap out halfway and I'll have to do the whole lot again. I just don't find a computer OS conducive to that. I'm sorry, that's just me. I mean, I
0: I think it depends on the player. I mean, I had that problem with with Astol and Kern. I had an SP one thousand and a two thousand, and they have Mm. that weird Android transfer thing. So unless you take the card out and 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 put it in your computer, Mm. if you connect the player to the to the computer, then you have to deal with an Android file transfer app, which is a pain. Um, and I had that problem too, but if, if I'm just low, you know, if I have like, I don't know, 30 gigs of music and I need to drop them, I'm gonna, it'll take a while. Yeah, I'll, leave, I'll do it first thing in the morning and go get my coffee. And it's just in the background. I don't need to listen right away. You know what I mean? Sure.
1: But like I can sit on my bed upstairs, my portable player or my phone. If that's my chosen rune arc, um, host device. And I can just download a bunch of play. I don't need to be anywhere near my computer. It's just yeah. actually on the device that's going to play back the music. I never have to leave that. I don't have to kind of pull out an SD card, attach a USB cable. I find all of that extraneous stuff, extraneous stuff, a massive faff. But I know that other people think differently. So, and you're an example of that, right? Like, it's just a different stroke to different folks. Yeah, but- yeah. I just still, you know, I think that
0: I'm very... I'm very happy with what my how my dApps sound and what they give me sonically. Yes. Yeah. That I'm willing to just connect my phone to it via USB when I need to stream. That's all, you know. Or, or or if or or to my iPad if I need to stream, which is rarely only when I'm discovering music. Usually, when I'm listening, and I just want to relax, I listen to albums that either I'm familiar with or I know very well.
1: Mm. But you have a fairly, I would say, high tolerance for basic, in, I mean, ultra-basic interfaces yeah. on portable players. And I'm yeah, thinking yeah. about that one you showed me last time I was in your studio. Yeah,
0: the LP, the the, the, the P6 Pro,
1: yeah. These are Luxury and Precision.
0: Yeah, which I is mean- a super obscure. I mean, <laughs> the name, I mean, I have to say, the name is a bummer. Right. you ask me if you call something Luxury and pre- I don't know, that's just me. I mean, I, you know, it's just like, what, what's the brand? Luxury and Precision. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, uh, it's the best player that I've ever heard. It really sounds incredible. You know, it's an R2R design. Yeah, um, it has a separate power for every sort of, you know, component and every part of the of the circuit of the circuit board. So the digital amp, you know, the, the sorry, the digital part of the DACs, um, the, the the amp, everything is separate and it has a ton of power. So it runs also full size headphones, if you want. Uh, mm-hmm. But the way that they implemented R2R, it's in two different ways. Well, it's discrete in the P6 Pro. But there's also an fpga so the I mean, the r2r design which is just a resistor design as opposed to it you know a sigma delta chip mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's by nature noisy just because of the way that it's you know the, that it's built you know so mm-hmm. um both uh lp players have an fpga that is part of its task is to bring down that noise and so so there's the best of both worlds in a way there's the the uh you know the sound qualities that i like in r2r but without the noise floor essentially you know it, it sounds super clean it it really reminds me a lot of you know devices like the Synclavier that i have where, where somehow it has this you know very uh euphonic and and big but not you know not in your face as in you know aggressive sound it's just mm-hmm. very very comfortable without being too woolly or or uh it's just it's just great, you know. But I mean, the operating system is <laughs> inversely proportional to how good it sounds. So, I mean, it's very basic, and you know, it's justified by the fact that they don't want to use the CPU for stuff like that. They just want mm. it to sound mm. great. So I understand that, but it's a it's a drawback uh, that a lot of people are not willing to you know to go through. And I understand it. You know, like mm. it's definitely the 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 worst interface. The worst. I mean, I can tell you one one thing that most people won't even believe that I have to do every time I import files, so I drag them into the player, Mm. whether it's the the SD card or the built-in storage, I have to run a script called sort because it won't put the order of the tracks like alphabetically or number or none of that. It'll just randomly put them in according to which file got copied first? Which is, you know, is asynchronous. I would assume. Mm. <laughs> so this sort of script that I run on Mac. <laughs> I'm sorry
1: to be laughing. I'm, I'm really sorry. them all
0: in order. Right. So after I'm done copying, I have to run a script that it's on the one one copy of the script is on the card and one copy is on the built-in uh, storage. So it's it's you know unfathomable for pe- for some people to do that, but to me it sounds so good that I don't care about doing that because it really. It really sounds sounds unlike anything else that I've tried. You know, it just it's a it.
1: It really sounds, uh, you know. I mean, I feel happy when I listen to it. You know. Oh, that's great. I mean, I I I mean, I ha- I have tried it momentarily, and I took one look at that interface and listened to it, and went, "Yeah, that sounds incredible." But it's just a hard no on trying to even find things. Start listening. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a lottery (laughs) trying to find an album on there. It's like, oh, what's in this really weird ass name, random folder? Oh, Talk Talk. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. Let's also talk about, I guess, the Sennheiser stuff, because during that time when I came over and heard the Luxury and Precision, I brought over the IE600 and the IE900 true wireless IEMs. Yeah. And I said to you, I want you to tell me which one of these two you prefer, mm-hmm. right? Do you, remember, do you remember which one you preferred? Yes, the 600s.
0: I mean, it, again, I don't think one was better or the other worse. I mean, it, they're both great. I think the presentation of the 600 was more in line with what I like. Um, I think that I, I don't think... I mean, I haven't read enough about them, and I, I believe the driver is the same driver, just the implementation is different. Yes, yes. So uh, I, I'm sure the price difference is justified from a building point of view of parts or, or, or R&D. I don't know. But um, but I found the 600 to be more in line with what
1: I like sonically. Mm. It was a little bit more relaxed. Okay. Yeah, I guess I like the zing and the punch in the in the yeah. sub-bass of the, of the 900 more. And that's not just because I listen to some electronic music. That's just it's not that it's not because of that. In fact it's it's almost like it's the opposite. Because if I pull up there's a good example that I just thought about Talk Talk's colour of spring, mm-hmm. which was on your luxury and precision player. Yeah. I would Class that as a very good recording, but it's one of those 80s recordings that's a bit thin sometimes.
0: Yeah, it has a weird glassy quality to yeah. it. I don't know, especially the snare. When you hear the snare, it feels, I don't know, glass is the first thing that comes to mind when I listen to that record. <laughs> right. It has a weird kind of glassy sound. I love that record, obviously. but
1: Yeah, but I like a bit more heft in the low end to kind of even, like to almost counteract or counterbalance For sure. that yeah. glass, glassness up top from the nine hundred. I mean, you're right. The 900 has a different shell material to the six, and it also has Helmholtz resonators, sort of etched into the inside of that shell to kind Mm -hmm. of shape the treble response. So they're doing it acoustically, which is just, I think, quite incredible. Yeah. And I know that, well, I'm pretty sure that um, the guys from Sennheiser told me that the 600 was tuned more to the Harman Target curve Mm -hmm. than the nine, right? Yeah. So. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, yeah, the, the harm and target curve is an indication or an inclination towards a certain preference, um, which you like. I know lots of people would prefer the six over the nine, but I, I suppose yeah, it ju- depends. Yeah. I mean,
0: like when you say about the excitement, I, I agree with you, but in, in my prep, the, the, you know, the pattern that I've noticed is that, uh, I, I like exciting, you know, uh, mm. IMs or headphones and whatnot. But what I found out is that, uh, I have, there's a time and place for those, like, uh, and one thing that I've noticed is that almost all of them I listen to, I get excited. I like listening to music through them, but I listen less if there's too much stuff going on excitement wise, you know, Is that
1: because they're too tiring?
0: uh yeah i don't know if it's t- yeah i guess you would say tiring yeah, yeah but not in a negative way it's just you know it, i guess you see it as you know like cake you know how much cake are
1: you gonna eat right. it's overstimulating
0: <laughs> yeah i think i think it's it's great for a slice and just for certain things but like the exception would probably be i would say trifecta a campfire because i've mm. it took me a while to really appreciate it and it doesn't work with everything but i it's just that that one I could listen to for hours. And, uh, you know, especially for older stuff. where totally
1: agree, yes. Where yes. the
0: bass hasn't been, you know, as as shaped and as, uh, you know, as cultivated as it might be in modern recordings. It really makes, you know, like the, one of my favorite records, which, you know, uh, it's Michael Jackson's Bad, just because mm-hmm. of the production, the use of the synclavier, which is an instrument that I'm obsessed with, and, and just the songs in general. And uh, with the Trifecta, it's like you know, it's, it's, it's the best way that I've ever heard it. You know, it's just, uh, I know it's an old record, but to me, it's, it's still, it still represents some of the, you know, the, one of the, you know, the top records when it comes to mixing and production.
1: Mm. So we should quickly, I guess, let listeners know what the trifecta is. So it's, I guess you'd call it Campfire's Uber flagship IEM and it contains three, one centimeter dynamic drivers, and I think because you and I both sat down with Ken in Munich this year, and he was telling us that one of the reasons it's so expensive is that the yield from that driver production is like—did he say ten percent or one percent? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, ten percent.
1: Right, think. so nine out of ten drivers have to be discarded. Yeah, but of course Ken has to pay and for three those. of them. And there's three of them. In right, each three. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like he's picking two; he's got to match three. Yeah, in one earphone. And I guess, I mean, it does sell for over 3,000 US dollars, which is a, a staggering amount of money for an IEM, although that would have been staggering or almost unbelievable five years ago. But now it seems to be, I guess you're more experienced in this area, Alessandra, than I, like in terms of uber high-end IEMs. I mean, is, it, yeah, is this like I, normal I've tried pricing?
0: I've most of them use, and, and I'll, I'm doing it for research because- okay. uh, you know, I'm working on on stuff that I can't talk about right now. Sure, but, uh, sure. And, You know, uh, the way that I've justified them is it's research. Um, mm. <laughs> but there's everything. You know, there's I've, I've tried anything from you know the two two hundred 150 euros up to five thousand euros. Um, you know, you know list price. Um, um,
1: so what was the five thousand?
0: I've tried them all. Well, um, the five thousand one, I think, is uh, the sub- subtonic storm, which is a very, you know, niche and, and, and you know, it's a small company. Subtonic is a small company,
1: mm. uh,
0: but um, it's uh, the closest that I've heard. Uh, something I am sounding like studio speakers, you know, which is you know huh. an achievement when it comes to frequency and soundstage, and you know, uh, it, it really. Um, that's what sort of attracted me to to, to checking them out in Munich
1: mm.
0: uh, last time was the fact that they were described as you know the design process was based on trying to match studio studio sound so okay and uh, I I just I'm just very curious on how all these things work and how the, the relationship between different driver designs and nature you know like a dynamic driver yes you know electrostatic drivers and uh, and uh, bone conduction and and uh, balanced armature—it's just very interesting to me. So I've done a lot of, of studying and research on how how these things work. But trifecta and Ken's—I mean, Ken is a bit of a Picasso, in my opinion, when it comes <laughs> to design of, of in ears. Because first of all, he doesn't—I don't—I don't think it's the w- right way of saying, but I don't think he cares too much about what people think about. I mean, obviously, from a business point of view, is is responsible, mm. but. His design, I think the trifecta was like a napkin design. I just came up with this, you know, the design and, you know, and then gave it to his engineers, you know, it's like, figure it out. But what I'm saying is just he's a very creative designer uh, and, and, and you know, with thousands of ideas and whatnot. At the side. Mm. I relate to that aspect of, of, of the source of, of the, the product being creativity as opposed to how can we make people happy. And I think the trifecta is a very divisive you know, a uh, set of, of IEMs from the price, for the sound, everything. But uh, definitely it's not an IEM that you want to look at frequency graphs and, and judge it from that because the frequency graph just doesn't tell the picture and, and something like this, you know.
1: Would you say or would you agree that the treble is not too incisive?
0: See, even that is just,
1: it's really dependent on the on source material, in my opinion. Mm. Um,
0: it, really, it really depends, you know, it really depends because, I mean uh it might be but i think everything else going on is taking my attention in a way that i'm not thinking too much about the high end
1: you know what i mean yeah i mean the last time i used them was with the GoPods, and i I just love that combination mm-hmm. because i would say that the go sound i mean i hate to use the the n word but they are it's, yeah somewhat neutral they sound clean right yeah. and they are incisive in the top which i think plays a nice counterbalance to what i, what I, I consider the trifecta a sort of An enormous and it's the closest you get to headphones because yeah that much air moving yeah but it's a big sound but it's it's not super i wouldn't say it was super clean or super transparent it's not airy but not in the traditional sense not in the sense of we can come to these in a moment because i want to talk about andromeda and solaris but Mm -hmm. it's it's nothing like those other two and i think this is what you're trying to get to maybe with the kenner's picasso argument is that even if you don't like what Campfire do, at least everything has a strong flavor in a certain direction, yeah. and they're not all sort of homogenized in the you know, or moving towards the, towards the same direction. They're kind of going away from each other. So there's more chance that if you try a range, you'll find one that you really really like. Exactly. I think the you know the spectrum of what's available is so
0: wide that mm. I think there's something for everyone, and I, I appreciate it when there's you know there's several things to choose from because I mean. Uh, not everyone, you know, has a clear idea of what they want to hear. And I mean, it's a hobby and it's a passion. So you kind of want to find things out and, you know, and try them and and figure out if you like them or not. And I think, I think there's plenty of things to like and not to like in the catalog. You know, obviously Mm. there are things, you know, especially the one BA, one balanced armature designs that I just can't understand, you know, Mm. but they're not for me i'm not going to be saying why did you you know what i mean it's just like move on to the next one find something yeah. that i like you know but yeah they're not they're not i wouldn't use those for studio work I, i'll check stuff on them just to see how it sounds you know right. but i find myself in the trifecta more often than not and obviously it's source dependent as well dependent as well for an r2r which is kind of can be warm but in general i tend to cut down around 125 you know uh hertz so like mm. the, the belly, what I call them, between one twenty-five and two hundred, with the trifecta, because it tends to be a little too too, rich? too pronounced there okay. for me, you know. And I've right. I've always been more, you know, like I, I, I don't like it there too much.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And what about? I mean, if we go back, well, let's go downwards. Let's go um down to the the new Solaris, mm-hmm. which is the Seller Horizon version, which is twenty seven hundred US dollars. Yeah. Um, how would you say that differs to the? to the um the trifecta
0: well sonically it's definitely smaller you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's leaner yep. but mm-hmm. i think that the 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 lean factor allows it to be a little bit more surgical when it comes to to the representation of of uh, the source material
1: mm. uh
0: it definitely is of the same genetic material as the original Solaris in a way. I think yes. maybe the, the, the mids, there's just been more attention paid to the mids and how the, the mid frequencies are portrayed compared mm. to the original, which sounded great. It's still a classic to me. You know, I still use the original Solaris quite a bit. Uh, actually, they're always with with the Sony player, so they're just hardwired to the Sony player. <laughs> just, right. I just have that, you know, it's like my uh, emergency <laughs> emergency playback device is always there. Uh, the, the one thing that I found, um, hard is tip, tip, uh, matching with these, uh, particularly with the Solaris. Like, uh, mm. I don't know if, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure my left ear is shaped differently from the right ear, like probably everyone else, but everyone else's, but I've, I've, it's, it's hard to, to get a seal regardless of the, um, tip size on my left and, you know, without getting, a. Driver flex, you know, like when you push them in, and and then the sound goes away for a second because the pressure moves the driver.
1: It's really funny you say that because I had the same problem with them yesterday. Mm-mm. So I have to kind of pull them out just a little bit.
0: Yes, and then you lose the seal, though. So it's a it's a balance yeah. between the two. Yes. And I, but I think it's just the way that the driver is placed, and it once you set that, it's fine. But you mm. know, it, it, it's uh I mean I love the sound, but I mean the Solaris, the the Stellar Horizon definitely shines. If you have a little tube amp, it's, it's incredible. Like if you give mm. it power, it definitely scales very well. So like if you have something that can give it a lot of power, it, it sounds incredible. Um, and with the with the campfires, uh, you know the the Continental uh, dual mono, the, the little oh, you've got one of those, amp, yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: Um,
0: it sounds incredible.
1: So I bought a Fio dongle deck a balanced output dongle deck with a 4.4-millimeter pentacon week before last to run with the Solaris. And it sounds absolutely fantastic. And, and you're right, because I know you used the word thin, and I would never use it ironically no, to well, describe We're talking about
0: comparison with the yes, trifecta. That yes,
1: I, I know what you meant, but I want I want for both of us to clarify because I don't want anybody going away thinking that the Solaris sound thin because they really don't. Because to me, they're a big they, – they do this thing where they, they flesh out the fatness of the instruments without compromising on separation, which I think is the rarest of talents with any yeah. kind of headphone product, really. Yeah, So I agree. they're big and expansive. I don't think they sound quite as big and expansive as the original, but the original I find very difficult to keep positioned in my ears properly when I'm walking out in the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I only use them at home. These I can, I, I went out to get a coffee just now and I wore these And I love them. And I got to say, I love the feel of them, the stainless steel housing and the, the look, I mean, they just, they feel so opulent, you know, and they're priced accordingly, of course, but, um, I mean, yeah, it, I,
0: like I, mean yeah. I think it's it's great to see, you know, I mean, you can't, a lot of people might complain about the differences between this and the original Solaris, but I mean, mm. people would have complained if it sounded like the original Solaris. So. <laughs>
1: right, yeah, what do you bother with that? I say, like yeah. that there's a, there's a, you know, if
0: you like the original Solaris, you can find them used for what, 500, 400 bucks by now? Really? You know, I would assume probably yeah. for cheap, you know, or mm. any of the other iterations, but. You know, I mean, I started with this during the the, the pandemic. So uh, I definitely had time to listen and, you know, to really develop a year for the differences and what things that I liked and develop a flavor, mm. you know, like a, a preference for, for specific flavors. And The Solaris is definitely, I mean, I like the Andromeda, but the Solaris is definitely the one that I think I go back to the most. It's a good balance between accuracy and excitement.
1: I agree. I mean, let's just clarify again for listeners that this is a, this is a hybrid IEM in yeah. that it has three. I'm, I'm reading from the Campfire website here so, so I don't make a mistake. Three dual diaphragm balanced armature drivers and then a single dynamic driver, right? With with radial venting, which is yeah. obviously off the side. Um I I like the hybrid concept quite a lot. Yeah. But I one thing I do love about these more than other hybrids I've heard even other hybrids that I think Ken has done, is that it sounds more cohesive. Like, if you put them in my ears and, and didn't tell me what they were and said, like, is this all balanced armature or is this all dynamic? I'd probably say it's all dynamic mm-hmm. because it, it's got a very n- nice, full, punchy bottom end. I mean, I think they're just... What was well, I think, you know, like, one thing about
0: Ken is that all these designs are crossover less, So there's no. And for for listeners that don't know what that means is mm. is you know like when you have different drivers whether it's a dynamic driver balance, if you have multiple drivers, in order to tell them to recreate a specific frequency range, there's two ways you can go about it. One is user use a circuit board called a crossover. That basically it's a it's, you know it's a, it's a circuit that mm. tells this speaker to go no you only replicate you only play back the low frequencies. Mm -hmm. You only play back the mids, you only play back the highs. Like all of, I think all of Campfire designs are crossoverless. In other words, there's no...
1: There's There's no circuitry dividing up the signal, yeah, yeah.
0: To limit the frequency response of a specific driver. So most of that, I assume, I haven't talked to Ken in depth about it, but most of that is done by orienting the drivers in specific ways inside the chamber and mm. using tubes to tune them right so it's a lot of physical work and a lot of you know so it's acoustic uh, tuning acoustic tuning yeah, yeah. which I, which is you know uh, it's commendable <laughs> to, the, the amount of work that goes into something like that so what you might be hearing what i'm getting at is that uh, that might be a you know combination of of the of the dynamic drivers high frequencies and the balanced drivers that mm. that make it sound less Ba less less plastic, if you will. I mean, I'm not saying that all ba's are plastic, but you know, definitely, there's a quality, particularly of base uh, when it's ba, that it's definitely you don't get in a, a, a dynamic driver.
1: Well, I think it's more the, the word I would use is more organic because organic is not a word I would use to describe the Andromeda. Yeah. and the latest version it's called the Emerald C, fifteen hundred US dollars, and that's five balanced damage drivers, and that's it. Very yeah. clean, very crisp very, I guess, um, incisive sound, yeah. lots of dynamic punch, but it, it doesn't have the organ- organic quality of the Solaris for me, you know? And But that's not to say it doesn't, it doesn't have a, an enjoyment factor because it absolutely does. Because if Definitely. I want to hear way down into the sort of the nitty-gritty of a recording, and maybe you could speak to this better than I, this is one that I might go for first because it shows me a lot of what's going on in the mid-range and, and the treble
0: yeah I mean, I agree. I think there are just uh, I, I think one, one, one concept that a lot of people might might find difficult to understand is it's the same as anything else. You can have several, I mean, obviously these cost money, but like I'm thinking about guitars or if you're a musical, you know like if you're if you're a musician, you know, you can't say that a you can have a preference between a Fender Stratocaster and a Gibson Les Paul, but you will No one would turn down having both because you know you can get something different out of each one of them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just different feature set, different sound, different feel when you play them. And I think the same applies for music listening. Obviously, it comes with time. It's not something. Some people might go, just give me a good one that I like, and I'll just it'll be the one set that I'm going to use. But I think the fun for me and for you probably is that, the fact that there are so many different aspects of, of sound reproduction and, and and without even getting to the size, the way they feel in your ears or the color or how you feel when you look at them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that makes it fun and interesting, you know. Uh, and this applies to, you know, top of the line devices like these too and, and ones that are more affordable. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, three thousand dollars to sound good no
1: not at all not at all
0: it's the same with guitars you know i mean there's people that play cheap guitars and they they make great records with them and it's not it's not necessarily about the custom super expensive limited edition eric lapton touched and kiss guitar
1: you know well i guess to bring it closer to home for you i mean if i want to go and eat pizza i don't go to the same restaurant and order the same type of pizza every time I want to eat pizza. I'll go to a different restaurant. I'll order a different set of toppings, you know, because I want a different experience every time from my pizza, right?
0: Yeah, I always order the same pizza, but really yeah. <laughs> do. <you? laughs> well, okay. let me let me. Well, yeah, I order the same pizza in different places. Oh, okay. And the same thing applies for th- to this. I mean, you could have the same sort of design with say one, one dynamic driver and three balanced armatures. Hmm by different companies and you get a different tuning, a different implementation, a different chamber, a different, Mm. you know, a different presentation in general, you know, so the same ingredients don't make the same result. You know, that's the problem with shopping online, which I understand because there's a, you know, not everybody can try them all. I can go, there's not a lot of stores where you can try all this, you know. Mm. But, you know, if you're, you know, dollar conscious, uh, you can always buy them. I mean, I hardly ever buy anything new. First of all, mm. I don't like buying new and adding to stuff that then will be trashed one day. If I can find something new that is well-kept and pay a fraction of the price and then sell it again if I don't like it, that way I can go through whatever my list of things is, mm-hmm. try them, and move on with minimal loss.
1: You know what I mean? I do. I think buying used is a great idea. I get very nervous about that in that I worry that I'm going to you know, take receipt of something that's somehow faulty or- Oh,
0: of course, that'll happen. It happens. I mean, mm. it happens to me, you know, uh, it happened to me once or twice, but I mean, yeah. stuff happens. I mean, I, in the end, I still continue buying used if I can. Uh, mm. I, I feel it's, it's, I mean, first of all, I mean, just like everything technological, I think the moment you buy, it loses, you know, everything loses value, obviously, but uh, mm. there's nothing good about buying something that you spent, I don't know, a thousand bucks and then realizing that it doesn't sound the way that you want to have to sell it for 500. It just, it's a bad feeling, you know, sure. like two
1: days later. Yeah, that's not a good feeling at all. So if I can minimize that, why not? You know, before I ask you the next question, can I interject with a side by side comparison here? Because yeah. I, I know that listeners will want to know how the Andromeda compares to the IE 900 from Sennheiser because they're similar pricing. And I've been thinking about this a lot as I've been using in the last three or four months. So I would say that the Sennheiser is definitely the most comfortable IEM that I've ever tried because it's a tiny earpiece. They're very tiny, yeah. And you're right, it does have that kind of zingy, stimulating sound. I like that because I like a bit of kick in the bottom and I like a bit of zip up top. And the Andromeda is not like that. It's much more relaxed. I think it probably focuses, I don't know whether it focuses on the mid range, but I guess the instruments feel more relaxed, but yet more present and bigger. I'm not saying the sound stage is bigger. I'm just saying the instruments feel like they're bigger in front of my more face. Weight.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's more substance to them, whereas the Sennheiser is comparatively, comparatively a little bit thinner. But where I think the bigger differences lie is on, well, not on the build of the earpiece, because I think they're, you know as good as each other but the cable that comes with the sennheiser i don't like at all i think it feels really cheap the same with the the travel case the ziploc travel case it's not really a flagship grade set of accessories you do get a four and a, sorry 4.4 millimeter cable and a three and a half mil but with the campfire you get two and a half mil cable three and a half mil cable 4.4 millimeter 4.4 4, i can't even say that today 4.4 millimeter cable in a really nice sort of fold out, I don't know—is it leather or faux leather wallet? Yeah, I just—I think it's just the whole packaging there, and literally the packaging that that box that opens out with a little hand you can. Yeah, I mean, onto. it's
0: unbeatable—the the, the presentation yeah. and the packaging of yes. of, uh, of a campfire. I mean, of the last line is is just unbeatable.
1: Yeah. So I and I know that, that Ken talks about these things called time stream cables, but I don't even know what time stream means, but. the 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 feel and the look of the cables that come with a campfire just leave the sennheiser cables in the dust i'm not saying that the the sonic experience is 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 like that because i I would say that they're kind of like just two different takes on a sort of flagship flavor or whatever i wouldn't say that one
0: one is dynamic one is balanced balanced armature so it's i mean by nature different yeah
1: but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that one is necessarily better than the other. But if you no. if you ask me about the whole package, I would yeah. say that the Andromeda is the preferred choice because yeah. they've thought about everything in literally <laughs> the, the box and inside the box. Yeah, I like the narrative. I, I like to when you open something, for it. I mean, obviously, there's the utilitarian
0: aspect too. It's like I would rather pay less and just have something to listen to music because that's all I'm doing is listening to music. Mm. But uh, I like it. I, I think it tells a lot about the company, about the, the effort and, and the love that they put in every product, you know.
1: Mm. But I would add one more thing. So now in Germany, Sennheiser are offering a service where you can get your ears or well, the moldings taken electronically with a, mm-hmm. a scanning machine. You and I both had this done in Munich this year we've both received our tips but i've i don't you don't have do not you do not have 9s or sixes yet do you the Sennheiser? no I've,
0: I've tried them with uh, um with others you know like with mandramados mm. but the thing that i've noticed and i don't know if yours are shaped the same way but the, the bore holes in the tips it's not mm. round so it definitely changes the frequency response i mean every tip changes obviously the sound the bass rep- mm. e- everything right it, mm-hmm. to a certain extent and, and and that's another fun rabbit hole to get into you know? <laughs> yes. as you know i've ordered all different kinds, and oh, you've I got like so many tips, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, I like I like hearing that again, research, mm. research purposes. Uh-huh. Um, but the Sennheiser ones, I've noticed that they I haven't, I mean, I haven't tried them with the device they're designed for, so mm. but in my uh use cases, they definitely change the frequency response because it's kind of an oval, um, out whole you know as opposed yes. to like other custom tips that i have made by i think custom audio made them mm-hmm. custom art um they are round so they keep they, they keep the round as, as it, it you know this similar out as the tip of the in-ear mm-hmm. i am as much as possible till the end um so yeah but they're they fit great though i have to say the problem is that a lot of these IEMs, not not the the Sennheisers, because they're tiny and very small, but the other ones, if you put custom tips, the problem is that the custom tip is so small that when you pull out the IEM, then the tip
1: stays in the ear. And the I'm, I'm really wo- I'm really worried about that. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was yeah. kind of a bit nervous about it. That hasn't happened with the Sennheiser yet. I, I what I like about these tips being custom fit is they block out a lot more external noise. Yes, because and that's not to be underestimated. And I'll give you an example of the opposite case. So the new Sony True Wireless XM5 that I was raving about before, they've made them smaller. Now, for somebody with big ears like me, they don't sit very snugly in the ears like the XM4 did or do. And so the passive isolation isn't as good, which right. then compromises the effectiveness of the active noise yeah, cancellation, right? Yeah. So I know it, we, can, we always talk about the importance of the seal and the fit, I guess this is doubling down on that, but I do love, really love the sound of the IE 900 and 600 with those new tips. Um, It might be because most of the, well, more external noise is being pushed away from me. It may just because they feel more intimate. I haven't tried them on other IEMs, I I probably won't actually, because I don't want to lose one inside my ear. (laughs) It happened
0: to me I had to get tweezers once to get them. Not like deep, but not, you know, deep enough that I couldn't get them out with my finger. But I mean, you raised a good point as far as the tips. I mean, you know, definitely it could be a rabbit hole. But at the same time, if you're really into stuff like this and you're listening to music, I mean, if you're buying a set of speakers mm. and you're at the store or wherever you're auditioning them, where are you sitting? You're sitting right in the middle in the best listening position you can. You're not going to be listening to them to the right or at the door to the room, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to IMs, in order for you to really hear, you have to have a perfect seal, a comfortable seal, where you're not thinking about the pain of, of you know, of them being in your ears. Or so I, I think it's a justified process to find the right tips. And you know, like going back to the AirPod Pros too. I mean, there's a whole routine, you know, like an algorithm there that calculates if there's a leak, if there's yes. if the seal is accurate yeah. or not. You know, yeah. I, I'm assuming they do it with the uh, frequency. You know a frequency coming out of the ear that is too high for you to hear but high enough or, or you know recognizable by the external microphone so if yes a microphone hears that frequency he knows that there's a sound leak yeah and it tells you try a different kind of tip which is great you know like obviously because anybody that is not that hasn't lost social life to audiophile <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yes. uh, audiophilia i guess as, as we mm. did then you know they can just buy them at the apple store go through that routine and be done
1: yeah i guess so Would you class yourself now as more of a, or probably maybe you've always have, have been, Alessandro, more of a wired headphone kind of person? Yeah, definitely. I think, I, I think mostly, I would think is the
0: amplification
1: that mm. has
0: an impact, and I think a certain amount of amplification can only be provided by a wired connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think you know because when you when you have a wireless headset of any sort, then the amplification is built into the set. That's the only mm-hmm. way. For now, I'm sure technology will change. Something will come out that no one knew it could be done. Mm. And so I think amplification has a big part. And the, the, the way the amplifier is designed, the power, it's not just about power, it's just the way the amp is designed has an, has quite an impact on, on sonic reproduction. Um, from a listening pleasure point of view. Now, mm-hmm. when I'm making music, it could be anything because 70% of my attention is dedicated to making the music and that 30% left is trained enough to make a difference between things sounding good or bad. And that's all I need when I'm making music. If I'm mixing or if mm-hmm. I am listening to music where my, 100% of my attention is dedicated to that, that's where those things, I think, come in more, they're more useful, you know? Right the quality of the playback and all that, you know. But I think there's a good middle ground after you make music for a while where, where, you know, there's a certain level that you'd like to get. So Mm. not too colored headphones or, you know, not too weak or not a frequency change according to volume, you know, I don't want my headphones to change the frequency response if I give them more juice. You know, I want them to be as, 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 as similar as possible at different volume increments, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So right now you're wearing a pair of Sony... Yeah, these are MDR-Z1Rs, which are...
0: I love how they sound, but the mm. main reason I'm wearing them is because it's the only closed-back set that I own. Okay. Everything else is open-back.
1: What else do you have?
0: Um, I have a beautiful set of uh, Ruston Audio
1: um, Red Zeros. Oh, yeah, we talked about those in the last podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. are uh, super comfy and warm.
0: Yes. And then I have uh, the first the first good set of headphones that I've ever owned, which is a, a, a Grado Labs RS1i or E. I can't remember the model, mm-hmm. but I've had them for over a decade and they're still, they're still comfortable sonically uh-huh. and physically. And then I have a set of uh, Abyss Diana's, uh, um Phi and a set of 12, 1266
1: the 66 oh goodness yeah. me yes <laughs> yeah, i know
0: <laughs> which are a beast i i hate saying beast but they are
1: a beast they are a beast yes two beasts not even one two beasts and what do you use for like headphone amplification in well in and around your studio but also in your house as well
0: uh well the house is uh you know i i, um, I for the house i have a piece of gear that actually you recommended in one of your videos and I've had it ever since, which is the name Unity Atom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, not the headphone edition, the normal
1: one. Yep, and yep. That
0: one has been, that's another case of, uh, I mean, it sounds great for my, you know, untreated room and my Klipsch speakers, which actually got through through you as well. Like, yep, uh, yep. Um, but it's the integration with Rune, integration with my entertainment system. It's just, you know ideal so i really mm-hmm. like the only thing i don't like and thank god there's no touchscreen but the fact that there's imagery on it luna my daughter tensa <laughs> i had to turn it around so the screen is facing the side of the oh uh, i see of the furniture and she can't get in with her hand because she would just switch <laughs> it off or change right. the input all the time and um, and and then i have a set uh, recently acquired a set of uh, meza elite which mm-hmm. i i was extremely surprised by i've never tried anything Aside from at the trade show in Munich, and yeah. I, I really love them. They're really, I'm probably the most comfortable set of headphones I've ever owned. Can I like, ask
1: you why? Why they surprised you?
0: Um, because maybe I wasn't used to anything that comfortable before, and sonically they just—you just put them on place. First of all, you can drive them with whatever the iPhone and mm-hmm. or any any digital audio player that you have, or any app. Obviously, they'll scale, but mm. they, there's no lack of frequencies or or lack of power. It doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, second, you just put them on, you go, yeah, <laughs> this sounds great. Right. There's no, I, you just lay back, and it's, it's one of the few cases where you're not really thinking about what's what's being, you know, reproduced, and you just lay back and enjoy the music. It's, they're really, you know, straight to the heart.
1: Because they're not analytical at all. I guess you couldn't use them to. Um, mix a record, right? Well,
0: that's that's not true, actually. I think, I mean, everything that I need, to, I mean, I, I didn't feel like now, it doesn't come, maybe it comes from the fact that I'm familiar with the records that are played through it in the way that mm. even if things are not as as uh, in evidence as as they could be on other devices, mm. I know those parts are there, therefore I can find them. Okay. It might be that. Mm. But I've never gotten that impression. Like one one album that I give you an example, I mean, it's a very sparse composition, but it's like, you know, Prince's, Sign of the Times, the track. Mm -hmm. It's a very sparse track, but it's a track that, for the most part, was composed and recorded with a Fairlight 2, uh, which is a sampler, one of the first, you know, workstation sampling machines. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was an 8-bit machine, so there's a lot of, you know... You know, dirt if, crunch, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And that crunch usually would be addressed mixing, you mm. know, in a way that uh, that you reach a good compromise, you know, between uh, usability and and the advantage of using a machine like that. And uh, the way that that crunch is is uh, presented on those headphones, and you know, the space between the very basic drum programming and the bass, and then mm. his voice and the guitar and and how you can hear the reverb at the bass at the beginning only in one note. You know, like after four or five times that the bass comes in, there's like a reverb sent on one of the notes. And It's just, they're very spacious and everything comes through very clearly to me, you know. Mm. Um, could, it, could it be my only headphones? I mean, no, I, why, there's never going to be a scenario where I only use one pair of headphones or one pair of IEMs, you know. Maybe right. there will be one pair of IEMs one day, but not now.
1: Do you use, well obviously you use IEMs on stage, yeah. When you, when you're playing either your own stuff or with nothing Snails, do you have like a a go to set or does it vary? Or
0: it varies. Um, last tour, I used uh, a German company's design. The company is in uh, Inear Germany, um, mm-hmm. and the design was the PPH, so the Profile Eight, uh, one of the most comfortable and most uh, accurate sets uh, live. Um, mm. Live is a very different scenario, a different, you know, listening environment than, you know, uh, you know, laid back in music, enjoying listening, mm-hmm. uh, simply because most of your attention is dedicated to, to playing. Mm. And so the main priority, at least in my case, is to be able to hear the things that I need to hear in order to get the job done. Mm. And uh, I'm not saying, I mean, over the years, starting from like one balanced Armature designs, you know, from the first West Stones in 2000, well, that, that I used in 2004 mm. uh, to now, obviously the quality has, has uh, you know improved immensely. But originally it was just that, you know, I used to have, you know, monitors in front of me on the floor. Uh, can I hear myself? Can I hear the drums? Can I hear the click? Sure. Okay, gone. Let, let's just play the show. Um, now it's getting more and more possible to create a scenario where there's a good balance between enjoying what I'm hearing and playing to it, you know? Mm. Um, so we're getting we're getting there. I mean, personally, there are certain aspects that I think needs to be, not necessarily on the PP8 or other designs, but in general, that need to be addressed. One is, you know, the the, the material of the, of the shell and how it resonates or how it vibrates according to what you play as far as instruments. Like for me, when I play bass, it, things tend to change according to what the shell material is mm. um, or where I am, how close I am to subwoofers, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, also the way certain frequencies are or could be uh, emphasized live, you know, depending on what instrument you play. Um, granted, you know, the, the mixing engineer, this, you know, the the monitor guy has has a whole console, uh, sometimes the same as front of house guy has. So to give you a tailored... You know a tailored sound the mix is yours not only level wise but i think to a certain extent you can also change the hue of each instrument just for you if you want it so Mm. um i think any set these days can be made if you have the right crew made to sound the way that you want live particularly because most of your attention is dedicated to playing, not to listening. So you're not going to go, unless a frequency is either too boosted or too cut, you're not going to go, wait well, can you, can you give me more high-end, you know, like you're going to say, give me more hi-hat or give me more cymbals, give me something that gives me a time reference or give me more bass, or I can't hear the vocals or vocals are too thin, but in general, you're going to be more concerned about playing the music. But mm. so what I like to see is less of a distance between the two worlds, you know, like something that eventually translates, from stage to music listening, you know what I mean? Mm. And not having that much of a difference, both uh, from a price point of view and, and you know, reproduction point of view uh, between something that you use on stage and something that you use recreatively.
1: Mm. Recreationally, sorry. Didn't you tell me something a few weeks ago about how you can't swap IEMs out whenever you want on tour because you have to have them set by the sound engineer at the start at all
0: i mean every i mean every manufacturer's model uh, reproduces sound differently Mm -hmm. whether it's just a frequency curve that is different uh, the way the driver implement for the driver implementation anything you know it makes it different so just like music a same, the same piece of music sounds different on different sets of speakers. Some of them might be bassier, some of them might be warmer, some of them might be bright, you know mm-hmm. um, If you're used to playing to a certain sound live and your performance is dependent on a certain arrangement of instruments and the way they sound, you can't just swap in the middle of a tour with a set mm-hmm. that sounds different. That is not a reflection on the quality of the set that you switch into but is the fact that the the IEM the the in-ear monitor that you chose is one of the factors just like I said before of what makes them work in your in your case Mm. the work that goes into creating the mix for that in-ear monitor is the other half you know what I mean
1: right I see
0: now if you listen to records that are mixed then it's easy for you to tell you know I like this this is base here but what if your job is you know playing bass and uh, the next set that you put in is a little bit more v-shaped and all of a sudden you don't hear yourself as well and you find that out during a show <laughs> yeah that would be, know, be it's a not, a special you know, that moment. Is not a reflection on the quality <laughs> right. of the it's sure. just a reflection on on your stupidity of switching in the middle of a tour <laughs> right you know what i mean so that's why i say now uh, i think there are there are certain things that can be improved live <clears throat> When it comes to IMS and and uh, uh, one thing is the space, you know, the ability of of not just struggling or, uh, you know, uh, trying to to hear everything and get the show done, but mm-hmm. actually enjoying what you hear. So, a reproduction in inside your head that is as close as possible to enjoying music at home. Gotcha. Because I yeah. think that adds a level of enjoyment from a playing point of view that makes you more. You know, and I've, I've seen it throughout the years, you know, with my colleagues on stage. And the priority is not to enjoy what you hear in your ears. It's just, can I hear myself? Is the sweat getting in the way of, of, of the in-ear? Is it is now all of a sudden I can't hear anything because the sweat has closed? My IEM and I can't, you know, or like, or the seal is just now I took them out and I can't put them back in. Because so there's a series of the, there's several aspects that I think are, are overlooked And uh, musicians don't really uh, think too much about them because they just want to get the job done and then go home. Or, you know, like there's other things Mm. in life than just, you know.
1: Does that mean you have to have more than one pair on stage?
0: Well, there's always a backup. That's another thing, the cable. Cable is one thing that I think JH Audio, in my experience, is the only company that live has thought thoroughly about the cable and the fragility of the cable and the material of the cable when it comes to, you know, the rigidness or the or the you, you know, because you're wearing this cable, you're moving around on stage, you're doing stuff. Mm. If you can't use a two-pin. The two pin is just, you know. Huh, okay. I mean, you can't you can't use a two pin, because we did for ten years. <laughs> well maybe not ten <laughs> years, but two thousand four until I don't know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine until mm. they switched to that sort of locked system that JH Audio has. But two pin it's easy to you know if you, if you pull it, it can't come out you know it's all yeah. a, a level of to- you know it's a, it's a game of tolerances of the the female and the male part of the two pin connector right
1: mm. uh,
0: So uh, the material too if it tangles, you have it connected to your pack and it's a very thin material and it gets all tangled it can break. you know I tend to put the the, the plug end into the tre- the receiver the you know the wireless receiver and I pass it under the belt clip. Okay. So the bell clip keeps it in place, right? So it can't be pulled out. But sometimes it means that everything, when I get a guitar out, might pull everything out. And if it's a very thin cable, sometimes the cable has snapped.
1: You know what I mean? Uh, I see, yeah. So there are
0: other aspects, you know. Um, I mean, the,
1: the physicality okay. of the devices is really, I guess, more important on stage than it is in,
0: yes. out in the and street. I, right? I, I think that's one. That's the main thing to look at. But I think also sound sound can be improved, you know, mm. the way that not only how they sound per se, but how, how do they sound while you're on stage, you know? Mm. How do they sound while you sing when your jaw is moving? Because, you know, most of the time when you listen to music, your jaw is not moving. And that's a big issue with me with the customs. You speak for yourself. No no but with customs is a problem because customs are, are static molds of your ears in other mm-hmm. words even though the material might be soft it's uh, you know it's a it's a frame of one moment when your ear when you're not moving anything right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when you're on stage if you sing, you move everything and that part of your channel ear canal moves and changes mm-hmm. shape so that could lead to a loss of seal so you can you, you start hearing stuff from outside or it can be painful you know, because maybe it's too thick. So um, I I would love to see universal, so like tip based in ears that are not so, you know, dependent on custom on custom molds. Cause I, I think there there can be I mean I've I've worn universal um IEMs that that fit and and stay in place without, you know, a good balance of the size of the IEM and, and the tip kind, you know, the size of the borehole and that allow you to keep the universal, take it out easily. If you need to talk to somebody real quick, I don't want to be extrapolating the in-ear from my ear, like <laughs> es- excavating to take it out and then being in pain to put right. it back in and find the seal. Again, this uh-huh. is my experience. You know? Yes. So, I mean, I would love to find a, you know, a middle ground between the experience that I have when I'm passively listening to music and enjoying it and mm. when I'm making it
1: live. Is it week. a bit bit different when you're playing live solo though because it's not such a physical show and you're not singing either
0: yeah it is it is definitely uh different from when i play live with nine inch nails but it has its own set of Mm. of, uh, the places the music that i play definitely has a a higher bass content and usually those it's as you can imagine smaller venues so the bass tends to engulf you and so the material the shell has a lot to do with it um the volume that I can get from the device has a lot to do with it. Um, I usually tend to to have a mix of my in-ears and side speakers as well.
1: Okay, so, so I can
0: Yeah, so okay. I can actually have, I can either swap between the two or keep keep my in-ears for the definition at a lower mm-hmm. volume and then have the bass coming from the sides physically. You right. know what I mean? That's the other thing, you know, you want you want to feel it as well
1: you play live so you, your sound live as a solo artist is underpinned by more more bass and more sub bass than when you play out with with nine inch nails
0: different kind of bass like for nine inch nails mm. i still need to feel it you know like one thing uh, when i started playing bass uh, extensively for nine inch nails which was mm. around 2014 um i basically adapted my guitar rig that i had with them um mm to be a bass rig and it was mostly software based. In other words, I didn't have, not mostly, it was software based from the sound generation to the straight, to the mixer, to the front mm-hmm. of house. So I was using a software, uh, which means I didn't have subwoofers. Uh, so the bass sounded great, but I couldn't feel it. And when you're on stage, even though you have in ears, there's a drummer there, there's a lot of vibration going on. Mm. If you don't hear your vibration of your instruments, it feels odd, it's difficult to get used to. So um, I have a subwoofer that actually points to the floor of my platform because I play on a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every note that I play with the bass, I feel in my legs. Oh, like I, I actually feel it. Huh. You know, like okay. a drummer could feel the kick because yeah. he's playing the kick. So it's much easier to, you know, if you're playing an instrument that has a frequency response that is physical mm. and you're used to that, to, to feel like you're actually playing your part when you feel it you know
1: okay so are we are we going to give you an opportunity to plug your u- upcoming shows Alessandro like when's your next one
0: um the next one is at the end of August at Mutech Montreal okay in canada and then the premiere of the show is going to be at Atonal in Berlin on September 17th okay yeah. And from there, I go to the US and I have a whole US tour starting in Philly at the end of September and then going up to Los Angeles uh, the first week. Uh, I think October fourth.
1: Right. Okay. And it's just tickets from usual local outlets, or yeah. Um, a-
0: if you go to my site or any site on in Instagram or Facebook, there's a link to my bands in town and there's link. There's links to every ticket and every every venue. I'm playing uh, events. Um, from a uh, a series called Reflections in uh, L.A., New York, and Chicago, which are going to be in, performed in churches, which I'm really oh, looking forward to.
1: Okay. Know, just because of the ambiance and everything, not because I'm into religion. Do you adapt your show's content to the venue in which you're playing? Yes, definitely.
0: Well, the new show is uh, all improvised. It's based on an installation I did uh, in uh, Lisbon, Um, for sonar last year Mm. and uh, uh, it's based on an instrument that I co-designed with uh, make noise Mm -hmm. called the strega Uh, so uh, the grammar of the shows is the same in in other words I use the same instrument every night Mm -hmm. but the harmonic content and you know note content uh, is different every night so I write it as I play it Mm-hmm. so it's improvisational but it's still me you know like it's the closest that uh, that that you can get to me making music in the studio and coming up with something you know it's right. not like a like a synth improvised modular thing where it's sound exploration there's a fairly set of ru- fairly you know um decided set of rules in the instrument
1: mm.
0: from a design aspect so it's not like i can you know do everything but i can do what i want to do and and so every show is unique mm. every show is uh is uh it's going to be different and hopefully we'll be able to release them all eventually in a box set but for now
1: uh, okay i'm
0: just looking and honestly it was the only way for me to feel excited about going out again because after the pandemic and all and how everything was wiped show-wise it just didn't feel exciting to work on a whole record and then go out and go look at me you know like Mm. It's more like this is the closest that I can get at feeling like I do what I love in a way that people could feel part of it and enjoy its uniqueness, hopefully.
1: Right, because the Otto Nile uh, event takes place in a disused power station and that Mm -hmm. space space in Kraftwerk, yeah. And it's enormous, like it's absolutely enormous. So do you have to work harder to fill it with sound? Like do you have to kind of go, well, I need to have loads of sub bass in this show or does it not work like that? I would say probably the opposite oh, in the
0: sense that uh, two things so reverb- you have to
1: be careful about are bass and
0: ambience, like reverbs, all that mm. stuff. Reverbs, usually you can leave them home if you play a place like that because the room mm. plays so much a part in that, you know, mm. since there's you know such a big hall. Yeah. Uh, and bass too. You know, bass, uh, they have a, always have a top, you know, like an incredible system there. So it's, you know, I usually just tune everything when I'm there, I get an idea of what I do, and I get an idea of what the frequency response of my instruments is. Mm. But I also have a mixer in between my instruments and their mixer, so I can come up with what I think sounds good. Walk out,
1: mm-hmm. and get an idea. You know, talk to the sound guy and and see what they think. You know, it's all it's fascinating stuff to kind of just talk to somebody who who uses, I guess, headfi guy, headfire guy, headfire gear at home to listen but then also on stage but also in the studio as well because i'm just a listening at home kind of guy i have no Mm -hmm. musical talent whatsoever you've got the talent so you can use it in the studio and out you know at venues and so it's i guess you have more of a holistic view of the hardware that you use i would think yeah definitely i i think i think they're they're very
0: uh you know separate and i'd like for them not to be in the sense that i'd like to to find the joy that I find in the things that I use at home live as possible and vice mm. versa, you know, not thinking, think of them as dedicated tools for one job or the other. Like, for example, one thing that I hardly ever do is use any of my fancy headphones while I make music. Okay, Because I mean, I haven't tried the Elite yet, but mostly because most of them are too big to, to move comfortably around in the mm. studio, um, you know, to do what I need to do. Um, it's a little bit the same discussion that we had when it comes to TWS by Sony or Apple. Like uh, mm-hmm. the job that I need to do, what does it require? Okay, it requires fluidity of movement and, you know, I need to move from, from the computer to another instrument to this and that. And then I, I, I wouldn't be doing it with the 1266. You know? No, you wouldn't. Because, <laughs> you know, unless we're filming a remake of Metropolis. wow. <laughs> You said it on me. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't. They don't. They're not comfortable unless you sit down and listen to music. If you're looking for the best sonic trip in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, twelve sixty six with a great amp is it, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Okay. But you just sit down, close your eyes, and go somewhere else. I'm not going to be using it. And I I check mixes. You know, like one thing that that I've done recently is I've collected all the recordings that I've done in the last two years, and Mm -hmm. then exported them from my hard, hard it's a, I have a separate recording device that I record everything so I don't need to turn on the computer, imported them all, and then put it on my digital audio player and connected that to the, my amplifier in the system. You know, So I had R2R re- reproduction into a great <laughs> tube amp
1: uh-huh. into the
0: 1266 and listened right. to these ideas. And all of a sudden, they're not more, they're not ideas anymore. You know, like when you right. hear them in you know with, with great gear you go okay this could be this okay and i'm gonna make a note and i have a little you know like a moleskin and i just write down notes for each one of them and mm. you know i've, I've barely the surface because there's like 200 255 i don't know how many they are you know like some of them are like 12 Shit. minutes some of them are half yeah. hour so there's a lot of stuff I, most of them 99 i don't remember making
1: mm.
0: because it's more the process than the yeah. result but it makes me enjoy what i do more so you know it's not you well, know. I guess it creates a feedback loop. Yeah, definitely. Right. But that happened to me with hardware before. You know, I started making music with software instruments mm. when when it comes to electronic music. I, had, I remember saving up and buying my first PowerBook Wall Street G3, you know, the one that, you know, that had all the bass, you take out the battery and all that. And then I was using Logic Audio 4.3 or 4.7, I can remember, and using... You know, there were no built-in plugins, you know, no instruments. So you use a dedicated app for instruments. And, and it was a lot of work. And, and it wasn't until I put my hands on an analog synthesizer that I realized, oh, not only it sounds great, it's also the, tech, the tactility, you know, the mm. fact of making music with my hands. The same thing is happening from a listening point of view now. Because for the longest time, I would spend money on the gear and make the music. And then when I would be listening, it'd be whatever headphones we got for free. Or whatever headphones came with the iPhone or, you know, okay, maybe I buy these at the airport while I was, you know, mm-hmm. on a layover somewhere in Hong Kong. I buy these because they're cheaper here than in the U.S. But I'll buy these Sonys, which I'm not mm-hmm. saying they're bad, but definitely there's, there was less emphasis put on the final step of listening to the music than there right. was the making, which makes mm-hmm. sense because my job is making it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I also am a music lover. So I really enjoy listening as well, you know? Right. And I think it, you're right, It's now it's basically a circle, you know, it's, mm. uh, it goes back and forth because it allows me to sort of break away from the idea of like, oh, these are just rough ideas. When you listen to them with a perfect, to me, system, and I listen mm. back and they excite me, then even if they're rough ideas, I can approach them as
1: something that is exciting again, and I can work on them, you know what I mean? That's fantastic. That's really, it's really encouraging to hear, you know, how they can come full circle like that, because I guess... People tend to perceive like what goes on in the studio, as you said before, very separate from what goes on at home. And there isn't much, much cross-fertilization between the two worlds. And yet in your world, it it's complete. It's going round and round all the time.
0: Yeah. And the more I try to make myself understand that there is no differentiation, mm. the easier it is for me to feel comfortable enough to make music.
1: I think that's the perfect note, Alessandra, on which to wrap things up. Um, thank you awesome. very, very much for your time today. It was a fascinating conversation, it really was. Thank you, John. It's always a pleasure.